there is communication that happens within the context of marriage. You'll, you'll probably almost every Sunday you'll hear, you'll hear me reference something about Tracy or something about our marriage. It's the closest thing that I have to of a physical idea of what the relationship is with the father. He even references that several times as, as equivalent to a marriage. Um, and there's something, even during worship, the Lord was revealing to me about Tracy and I. And the, the times I think that we have disagreed the most or been hurt by each other the most has been the times where there was a lack of communication. Um, either one of us would um, either buy something or do something without consulting the other. Uh, there would be a, some either distrust or some frustration with each other. Um, lots of other little details, but there's, there's different things that there needs to be an open communication because we're now one. Does that make sense? Uh, because we've come together and now we don't just make our decisions independently all the time. We make decisions jointly. I think the same thing uh, comes into play when we, we talk about a relationship with the Father, when we talk about a restored relationship through Jesus and how we walk day to day. And that's what I want to talk about ultimately is not just a set of parameters that you are, you are meant to fall into, uh, Actually, Ben and I were talking about it. The difference between uh, knowledge and application of knowledge is something that I always used to deal with, and especially teaching youth. And as I grew up, I realized that it's a little deeper than that. It's not just knowledge and application of knowledge, because if I give, I could give a robot knowledge and then tell it how to operate within that a certain parameter, and it would do those things that I wanted it to do. And I don't think that's how relationships work. I mean, they just don't. I don't think that's how God designed us. He designed us a little bit differently than He did the angels. We're not just robots. He gives us free will, and so there's a, there's a bit of a, an, open, an open forum between us and the Father. We get to talk. We get to communicate. We get to operate day by day with a, with a, a loving Father. And that's, that's a radical concept, especially for me with, with my background. But even, even with you guys, if you had the best dad in the world, it's still a radical concept to know that, that God can be with you day by day, decision by decision. And, and as I begin to read through Scripture, I see, I see this especially overarching theme about Jesus, but not just Jesus, but I love how the message put the, the, the scripture that I posted on Facebook about Jesus came and went for the jugular. Did y'all see that? He came in and he didn't, he didn't mess around. <laughs> he didn't just initiate some, some new way of us to, to, to create this covenant. He took it upon himself and he said, I'm going to take care of this once for all. I mean, he just he came in, <laughs> almost let's say like a wrecking ball. I can't say that. He came in and just, he, he came in and just like, a, I'm sorry too late. I said, I say that out loud. <laughs> he just came in and just wrecked them. I mean, he just came in and changed everything. I mean, he, he completely shifted the whole atmosphere of this earth. And, and he did in a way that we could not deny what was going on. And we tried. <laughs> and we're going to get into that. Even the disciples tried to figure it out and had a hard time with it. And fast forward to today and we struggle with it, right? We still have some issues with it. Um, so we're going we're gonna to kind of hover around bread today which is not a bad place to hover. I love bread. Um, but we're going to hover around bread, and so that's going to be, Jesus is going to be the theme, but we're going to kind of hover around bread. Uh, Luke 17, 1. Uh, I'm sorry, Luke 17, 11. All right, Luke 17, 11. Sorry. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. 
verse 17. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now, at what point was he made well? What would you say? That's not rhetorical. I'm, I'm asking. What do you think? At what point do you think he was made well? It says on his way he was made well, right? Well, there were, two, there were two words here, and I went back and looked in the Greek too. He was actually healed on his way, but when he came back, the made well is the word sozo. Y'all remember the word sozo that we studied? He was made whole. Actually, King James gets, gets it a little bit better here than, than NIV. It says he was made whole, which is the word, the word for sozo, saved, healed, delivered. Um, and so there's... Uh, sozo encapsulates all those things. There's a little bit more to it than just being physically healed. So all ten were healed on the way physically, okay? Um, but one came back essentially for a relationship to thank, to thank him for it. Now, there's, I've heard other sermons talk about and break this down a little bit further than it really needs to be broken down. Essentially, he just came back to worship and to thank, to thank Jesus for healing him. Um, he came back with a thankful heart, and Jesus said... The, Ultimately, this is the greater good. You were healed physically, and we are, are ecstatic about that. But how many, how many of you know you can only be healed so many times physically before you eventually die one day? I mean, we're all going to physically, on this earth, we're going to die one day. And it sounds rough. I'm not talking, I, let me preface all of this. I'm not, none of this is speaking against healing. You know me, and you know us. We 100% believe in, in absolute healing today. Um, but... Like I said, there is, there is something greater than just that because physical healing can only last us this lifetime where eternal healing is eternal, right? So what I believe he's translating here is there is something greater than just a physical healing. Man, celebrate a physical healing. It's amazing. But don't stop there. We don't stop there. We go back to the source of the one that healed us for a relationship, and that's the greater thing that we need to discover. Um, the rest of the time, I'm going to be in John, hopefully, if I didn't mistype again. Uh, John 6, we're going to start. We're going to talk about Jesus feeding the 5,000. I've got a lot of scripture. I may skip through some just for time's sake, uh, but I'll try to keep it within the context of what's going on. But it's a very long uh, story and a very long way to make a point. Uh, but there are lots of specific themes that we need to, to look at here. So uh, John 6, 1. So sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by, the, by healing the sick. Let's stop there. So there's a great people, follow, people that followed him. Why did they follow him? Because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. So there are people following Jesus because of the signs that he performed. It's pretty straightforward, right? Verse 3. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? <clears throat> he, listen to this. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So he's, just, he's testing Philip. He's like, Hey, where are we going to get bread for all these people, Philip? Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Just to have a bite. <clears throat> Verse 8. Another of his disciples, Andrew, spoke up, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How far will they go among so many? Pretty genuine thing to say, right? It's a pretty normal thing of response from someone. Jesus said, have the, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. So they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, not including women and children. So there was, you know, 
plenty of people, probably 15,000 people there um, or more. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Then they had all, then they had all had enough to eat. He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of, of the five barley loaves left over. I think it's interesting that he had five loaves left over and he started with five loaves. I'm not going to get into that. I, I did a little bit of research on it, but it's not a direction I necessarily need to go for this. But it's interesting that he had five loaves left over and he started with the same amount. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. So we're going to skip a little space. The next part is when... when the, the disciples went across. Jesus walked on water. You guys know that story. Um, it was amazing, too. I, I just don't have the time to go through the whole thing. But I want to skip down to six, uh, 6.30. Let's see. Verse 25. We'll skip down to verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, this is the next day, um, Everything had gone through uh, the whole walking on water thing. Rabbi, when did you get here? I'm sure you want to say, didn't you see me walking on the water? Verse 26, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Now stop here. What did he say the people were doing? Who, what were they do? Why were they following him before the other people? Because of the signs he performed, because of the miracles, right? And healing, right? But now his disciples are, are, are saying, hey, how did you get here? And Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because, of the, of you saw, because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Because you're hungry. They were hungry. They were just literally hungry. And so this is where we come into this. Well, which one is it? Do we follow Jesus because of the signs? Or, we, or, or is he chastising them because they don't, they don't believe in the supernatural? They're just hungry and they want some food. Which one is it? This is where we, we kind of stem from a few, I guess it's been a few weeks ago, and we talked about we want so desperately to find a, a, a bad guy. We want to find an enemy. We want to find uh, a definitive right and wrong with everything. And when, when we deal with relationships, sometimes we end up uh, struggling with that. I'm sorry, I'm distracted. Is everything okay? I guess everything's okay. Um, we begin to struggle with this, and we want to find a definitive answer on why Jesus is saying what he's saying. Is it the healing or is it the, the food? Were they hungry? Or was it the supernatural? Why can't it be both? People were hungry. They needed to eat, right? This was a time when people were very hungry. The, a lot of them didn't have food. I looked up barley loaves. Barley loaves were, were poor people's food. They gave it to horses, and the poor people would gather it up. Um, they didn't have a lot of food. The people that were following them were hungry. They were genuinely, physically hungry. And we want to say, well, which, which was the greater good, that it was miraculous that he fed 5,000 or that 5,000 people weren't hungry anymore? Which one was it? Both. <laughs> Why does it have to be one or the other? It doesn't. <laughs> this is what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. Listen, he's trying to show them that we're going to see things on this earth one way, and then there's going to be th- things in the spirit that, are going to, that we're going to see another way, and we need to understand those two things. He goes on, verse, verse 26, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me, but not because you saw the signs I performed, because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Verse 27, Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work. Look how he changed the terminology here. They're asking him, What, must, what works must we do? Plural. 
And Jesus says, no, there's only one work that you do. The work of God is this, to believe. The one work is to believe in the one he has sent. That's the one, not many works. We don't have to perform many signs. The one work is to believe on the Son. And he straightens him out and says, listen, this is the work that I have for you, to believe on the one he has sent. So they asked him, (laughs) this cracks me up, what sign then (laughs) will you give that we may see it and believe you? Where have you guys been? Yeah, I mean, did I not just feed 5,000 people and walk on water? Have you not been around me when all these miraculous things have... What? Okay. This is, what will you do? And here's, here's, a, here's a big key. Our ancestors ate the manna. This is wanting to go back. They want to go back. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Like... Yeah, are you serious? That's what I want to say. Are you, are you serious? No, but here, here's the thing. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for a physical manifestation of it. And he's saying, listen, truly I tell you, verse 32, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Who is that? Jesus. He's shifting them, saying they're going back and going, Hey, we remember, we've heard stories of these miracles of, of, of God providing bread to fill the bellies of the people. Every, but how many times did they have to get that bread? Do you all remember? Every morning. They had to get that bread constantly. It was over and over and over again. Do you see what this is a picture of? Do you see it? This was the old covenant over and over, sacrifice over and over and over. Jesus saying, you don't get it. You're looking at little pieces of bread that you have to continually get over and over and over. I'm the bread of life. You're not going to have to get over and over and over again. It wasn't Moses that, that gives the true bread, but it's my father that gives the real bread. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. We want this bread. I love this. Please, we want this bread. This sounds really good, right? And they're excited. We, and this is everybody. Hey, collectively, this group of people, we want bread. We want this bread that you speak of. We want it. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Hmm? <laughs> hmm? I'm sorry, what? Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you don't believe. Let's skip down. Verse 53. This is Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh... Of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have you have no life in you. I'm sorry, what? We just want the bread. <laughs> um, we're good with the new bread that we don't have to keep getting. But what are you talking about? Verse 54: Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise them, I will raise them up the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this, he said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Listen to this. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard. (laughs) This is is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And they bailed on him. 
we're out. Just eating flesh, drinking blood stuff? This is hard. We don't get it, and we're not, we're not down with this. Here's the funny thing. Funny and disturbing and frustrating at the same time. They were open to eating the miraculous food. They're open to heal my brother and my sister, heal my family. They're open to the miracles. Yeah, give us. We want the, we want the miracles. I'm hungry. Give me food. But the moment he wants a relationship with them, they bail. I need you to know me, and I need to know you. You need to be in me, and I need to be in you, and they're out. Show us a sign. (laughs) Do more of the miracle stuff. We want to see more of that. We can see that, and we want that. And he's saying, no, the greater miracle is that I know you, and I'm in you, and you're in me, and I'm your new source, and you feed on me, and you 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 don't have to hunger anymore, and you don't thirst anymore. Forever. Not just in this life, but for eternity. Verse 61, he says, Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. (laughs) This is hard. Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? (laughs) I love Jesus. Does this offend you? Then what what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you They are full of the Spirit and life. Jesus' words are full of Spirit and life. We talk about this over and over again. Your words carry the Holy Spirit. When you speak to people, they carry Holy Spirit with them and things happen. It's not just speaking to learn, although we do learn, but you're speaking with power and authority. And when you speak from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit goes with your words. And you leave, but the Holy Spirit stays and begins to work in people. How did most of us get saved? Someone witnessed to us. Someone spoke to us about the Lord. And the Holy Spirit began to draw us and began to turn in us and began to move us and to shift us into a direction that we, we hungered and we thirsted for the Lord. And the bread that we saw wasn't enough. We needed more. We needed something, something I briefly talked about last week, the, the matrix, the red pill, the blue pill. We needed, to, we needed to see how far this, how real this was. How real is this Jesus? Verse 66, he says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And here's Peter. We give Peter a bad rap about saying a bunch of stupid stuff. Peter said some, every once in a while he hit. Man, he hit. (laughs) And this is one of those times when he hit. I mean, one time he hit when he talked about the rock. You remember the Petra, Petros? And he said, Peter, and we didn't build the rock. Jesus, you remember this, I taught on it before. Jesus didn't build the church on Peter. Jesus built the church on the truth that Peter discovered. Peter was the small rock, the big rock that he built the church on, the mountain that it was unmovable, was that Peter recognized that Jesus was the Messiah and was the Christ. That was the rock. The truth of who Jesus was was the rock on which the church is built. And so he says, listen, I love this. You guys want to leave too? You guys want out too, like all these other people? You don't like the drinking blood, eating flesh thing? You guys want out? Listen to what Peter says, Lord... To whom shall we go? Where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where else will we go to get this truth? There is nowhere else. It wasn't just the disciples that wanted to see a sign, and there were many people that tested him. 
We're going to jump over to, over to Matthew 16. This is another thing. We want to find good guys and bad guys. There's a level playing field when it comes to Jesus. Uh, Matthew 16.1. says, The Pharisees and Sadducees came to know, I'm sorry, came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. He's talking about the sign of Jonah. He's talking about, you guys know that all the Old Testament stories were just types and shadows of Jesus. The sign of Jonah, Jonah was in the well for three days and then he came out. He's just talking about the only sign you're going to get is when I die and then I'm resurrected in three days. That's all he's talking about when he talks about the sign of Jonah. He's like, you guys are looking for a sign to test me, but the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. Um, in verse 5 it says, when, <clears throat> when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. <laughs> Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, is it because we didn't bring any bread? <laughs> Listen, they're still looking from an, earth, from an earthly perspective. They're like, oh, no, we're hungry. Did you, Jane, did you, you get the bread, Peter? You got bread? We forgot the bread. Jesus is mad because we didn't bring bread. And Jesus says in verse 8, aware of their discussion, Jesus said, you have little faith. Why are you talking amongst yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves or the 5,000? And how many basketfuls you gathered? The seven loaves or the 4,000? How many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then, then they understood what he was, that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So he was, he was trying to help them understand that it's not just a physical bread that we're talking about. There's much deeper meaning to what it is. Um, I'm going to skip a few of these. I had a few more examples. We'll get. We'll go to. We'll go to John, two eighteen. It says the Jews then responded to him, "What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this?" <laughs> Man, they're looking at God in the flesh and they're asking Him to prove Himself constantly. What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Verse 19, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Listen, Moses' bread, the manna, would leave them hungry and they had to continually get it over and over and over and over again. There was this vicious cycle of the old covenant that was passing away and he was trying to explain to them, I'm the temple that you're going to destroy and I'm the one that's going to be raised and I'm the bread of life that's going to give you real life. It's going to last eternally. But it's not, the two things aren't mutually exclusive. I'm still going to feed you. You still have needs. He wasn't saying that I'm going to cut off every miracle and that's what I don't want you to take away from this. I'm not trying to downplay miracles. The scripture says, go and preach the good news of the gospel, and these signs shall follow. You'll raise the dead, you'll heal the, heal the sick, you'll drink poison, you'll, you'll trample on snakes. What, where do those signs come from? Speaking the good news of the gospel of Jesus. The good news of, the, the good news of Jesus is what manifests anything miraculous in our nature, in our, in, in our physical realm right now. But those, here's what's cool about that. This means we don't have to focus so hard on it. And here's, here's another very important point, is when things don't go the way that we think that they should, our faith is not faltered by it. 
Because how many in here have, have prayed for someone and it didn't turn out the way that we expected it? If, if our faith was just based on that, then we could, we, could walk away from, we could walk away from the Lord in that moment because he didn't perform the way that we expected him to. We want to operate in grace when it comes from God to us, but we want to operate in legalism when we're talking to God. You do what I want you to do. You are looking through a limited perspective. We, we can't bind up, we can't, we can't limit God to our perception of his reality and try to draw him into to what we want him to do, like a spiritual vending machine. I said the right things, I did the right things, I had enough faith, and he said, no, you, you got faith all wrong. Faith, faith is what the substance of things hoped for. What were the types and shadows in the old covenant about? Jesus, right? What's the substance? Jesus is the substance. Where's our faith? Jesus. We say it, it rolls off our tongue because we've heard it so long. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the substance of things. Do you know what substance is? It's a reality. <laughs> it's, it's substance. It's the substance. It's the thing that we hold on to. It's not just a blind faith that we go, oh, we believe. Listen, we've got a whole book here. <laughs> that I can't even get through a handful of scriptures this morning to talk about how great God is and how awesome Jesus is. We've got all this knowledge. We've got all this that's been given to us. We have the Holy Spirit that quickens it and brings it to life. And we have all these people that we deal with throughout our, throughout our day-to-day lives and family and in jobs and people that are hurting and struggling and people within our own church. And we have to see that we have something to give them that is the bread of life that is eternal bread, that, that it brings healing, not just physical healing, but emotional healing and financial healing and eternal healing. Listen, we can give good advice and we can help people, but we don't need... The, the mindset of, I think, a lot of, of people in general, I guess, that, that go to church is that I do these things and these things should happen. Or... Um, I need God to fix my problems. I need God to fix everybody else's problems. But that's not always what we need. We think we need that. How do I know? Because there have been times when things didn't go the way that that I thought that they should, but God was with me through them. This is the position you need to be in for other people. Their circumstances may change, and they may go through hell. You need to be there with them. You can't always fix their problems. As much as we want to, we want to fix everybody's problems. There are things that you can do. There are ways that we can help, and we do. You know, we talk about, um, and I don't want to go off on a, on a whole money or giving statement, but it's fresh on my mind because we've been talking about it lately. We can't, we can't quantify how much you guys give each other, and we don't necessarily need it to all funnel through the church. We don't need to dictate where everything goes because I don't want to rob you of blessing someone like you should, like you should be led by the Holy Spirit to bless people. I'm not going to do that, but at the same time, we've got, we've got things that... You guys have been, I know many of us have been recipients, me included, have been recipients from our benevolence fund in the church that you needed a bill paid or you needed help with something. We want to do that too. It's not one or the other. They're not separate. We operate as a body and we operate as individuals. We, we meet people's needs physically where we can if someone's hungry or if they need a bill paid or they need um, a ride somewhere or, or they need prayer for healing. We do that. We operate from, from very different Areas and, and different facets through what? What's the key here? Relationship. The one guy that got healed and came back and saw Jesus, he said, you've been made whole. You saw the bigger picture. These other people were healed and they're happy. They're happy. 
What happens next week when they get a cold or one of them dies? What happens then? Is our faith lost? We need the whole thing. <laughs> and our church, as we've talked about specifically, we've had a couple leadership meetings and, and trying to understand, especially as we've, we've merged two churches together and trying to understand how that works and, and, and how, how we can help more people within our body and, and make better, deeper connections within relationships, which is our ultimate goal. The leadership in this church is not here to dictate for you guys who's going to pick up trash and who's going to do this. It's to help you guys understand your gift and to operate in it in, in its fullness. And, and, and where you guys need, we want to be able to facilitate whatever that looks like. Now, at the same time, we don't want to control you or push you to do things. We just want to help and facilitate those things within our church body and outside these doors the best way that we can. It's our only goal. That should bleed into our individual lives where you guys individually do the same thing. Where it spreads out and you go, okay, well, I see a need. Let me see if I can meet it. If I can't meet it, let me find somebody that can. This is where communication comes into play. You guys communicate with people that you know or communicate with us as leadership. And we go, okay, well, I know somebody that can help in this situation. This person didn't know this person, but now you've told me and I know this guy and he can help. Right? It's just simple communication. Same way I was talking about Tracy and I in marriage. There, I mean, I, I can't count. Thankfully, she's not in here because she would be like, I know how many times <laughs> that I've made a stupid decision and then I've come to her and she's like, I could have told you not to do that if you just talked to me. Uh, <laughs> I think of many examples. Um, but <laughs> they're all humorous. We'll talk about that later. But there are many times when we can consult each other and we can get good advice at the same time, we can get good godly advice that says, hey, I have someone who can help you with this, and this, this is the way we live in new covenant relationship in a church. We're not a machine. We're not trying to pump out people to, to perform better, to do better. We want everyone to have full lives, to sozo, save, heal, deliver, the whole thing. We want, the, we want it all, not just part of it. So when we pray for healing, man, I pray for healing. On a deeper level, I pray for a, a greater manifestation of the Holy Spirit in that person's life whether they're healed or not. <laughs> that the Lord is revealed through the laying on of hands and we pray for people that the Lord is revealed to them in their day-to-day lives and when they wake up and they have their whole world falls apart. We had a guy, and I'll give you this example and then we'll, we'll close. We had a guy Wednesday night that his, his clutch went out in his car out here. We have people that come up here and, and ask for money. Some people that are pretty regulars come up here and ask for money and they have the same spiel. And... When, when I have cash, sometimes I'll give it to him. I'll pray for him, those kind of things. This guy wasn't that guy. This guy just happened to have a bad day. His clutch went out on his car. He was stuck. No lie. He started pouring down rain as soon as the tow truck got here, and he had to get out in the middle of rain. And I sat there and watched him. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> I'm glad Trey's not in here. She didn't like it when I say sucks from the pulpit. I was like, this is a bad I'm having a bad day. He was just having a bad day. He wasn't asking for money. He didn't care. I just so happened to have some cash, and I never have cash, but we just, just happened to have a little bit of cash. Um, it probably wasn't enough to fix his clutch, but I was like, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to build myself up that I'm just this great saint and I go helping everybody. It was just a situational thing. I was like, I'm going to go give him some cash. He didn't want to take it. He was like, no, man, I'm good. I was like, I know you're good, but if I was in your position, I'd be like, this is awesome. At least somebody, you know, as bad as my day's going, at least somebody gave me, you know, some money. And I was like, look, man, I'm not trying to say you need it. You're having a rough day. You're standing out in the pouring rain. Your car's broken. You, get, you know what I mean? This is simple stuff. This is just to bless you. I don't expect anything in return. You don't have to come to our church. Sorry. Sorry you're having a bad day. You know what I mean? This is, 
That's New Covenant Christianity. That's saying we just we see a need, we try to meet it, or we pray for people. I didn't even pray for him. I said, man, I'm sorry, you're having a bad day. You're standing out here in the rain. He's like, man, I'm good, I don't need it. I said, I know you don't need it. But it's money, you don't want it? <laughs> of course you want it. So he reluctantly took it, and I hope that he was blessed by it, and I pray for him. I pray for him after the fact. Man, I hope he was blessed by that. No strings attached. So I want to encourage you guys to pray. Um, pray with me. Um, pray with me about our church. I mean, specifically, we don't, we don't want to be some just group separate from the kingdom. We know that it goes outside these doors, but we have a, we have a church body. We have family. You guys are family. Um, so pray, pray for our church body, and as we, as, we, as we grow and as we get to know each other better and as relationships are strengthened, help us. <laughs> Help us in that. We, we, we want to see that happen more and more, and it's not so that we can grow our church necessarily in numbers. We want to grow our church in deeper relationships. Yes. That growth will naturally produce more people. It will because you'll want to invite people because it's so awesome. But that's a byproduct, and I don't want to focus on that. I want my heart for you, if I could give you my heart for our church, is that you reach out and, and build deeper relationships within, pe- within the, the people that you know and some people that you may not know. And that's all I ask. And I, and I promise you, the result of that will be a better life. You will grow. You will grow from it. Listen, I can't. I can't quantify. I feel like there's not enough scripture. There's not enough words that I could put in place for my life, being in this church, being encouraged by you guys. There's not. There's not enough paper and pen to write it down. I mean, from text to calls, to to just hugs and speaking and worship and prayers and everything. I mean, there's there's just there's not enough time to talk about it. I want to encourage you guys to continue to do that to, within, within our church body. And I'll leave you guys with that. I kind of went off on a tangent there at the end. But you get it. Stand up with me. <laughs> no surprise. Father, I thank you that, that, um, that you give us your truth, Lord, that you, you, don't, you don't stop with just meeting our physical needs, but you go much deeper. Lord, I thank you that you do meet our physical needs. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you do. Lord, thank you for going deeper, that you are with us even in the midst of tragedy. Lord, one of the the moments that I saw you, I felt like I saw you face-to-face was a moment when a friend was going through absolute tragedy but still trusted in you, and it was beyond my understanding how a person could do that. That that moment, that, that Holy Spirit moment, resonated in me and I didn't even know you at the time. So Father, help us to be that beacon of light to other people that whether we are, we are having the time of our lives, and Lord, I hope all of us are, or we are, we are struggling through tragedy or through, through um, distress, Lord, that we see that you are with us through it. Lord, your rod and staff are not beating us over the head, but they comfort us. Lord, even we didn't, you didn't lead us into the valley. <laughs> we went in there on our own but you didn't, you didn't leave us while we were there. You walked through it with us. So as we go through good times and bad times, thank you that you were there with us. Lord, help us to be a reflection of that. Lord, that we receive it from you and we distribute it to other people. Lord, we are an R&D church. We receive it and we distribute it to all those around us. Lord, help us to be that to the people that we come in contact with. Lord, help us to love the ones right in front of us. In Jesus' name, amen.